welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development where Richard and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 Developer Platform. For more information on Office 365 Development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, welcome to episode 65 of the Office 365 Developer Show. Hey Rich, how are you? I'm good, man. You're back in town. We're in person. I know. Well, you're not and, virtual. And you're in the same continent. Yeah, right. Not the other side of the world. And literally, it was the other side of the world. My girlfriend got up on a global map in my friend's office and like held a finger on Perth and held a finger on Seattle. And it was literally halfway around the map, north to south as well. So she dug a hole. She'd end up back in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, pretty like, much. Just right through. Go, go through hell and come out the other end. <laughs> but um. Yep. No, it was good fun. It was a nice two weeks almost off. I didn't get on email too bad. I had a few blog posts that came out while I was away. But other than that, it was a nice, well, actually the first week was hell. My brother got married. Well, that wasn't hell. That was really nice. But he decided to have it at his house. And uh, I turned up and he basically put gardening gloves and a spade and shovel in my hand and said, work, work. <laughs> so for the first five days, we were doing yard work. So it wasn't really a vacation, but it, nice. it was nice to be part of the, in the whole process of them getting ready to get married and and then, yeah, we sh- kind of showed her Australia the week afterwards, which was good. Cool. Well, I held down the fort. We had some great hosts. We had yeah. our, our uh, show guest. We had Vincat talking a little bit about the converged off and oh, what cool. they're doing on Outlook. And then last week, which we have some announcements about, is we, we had uh, Rob Howard talking about the new Office 2016 um, extensibility with Office JS. So, you know, it was, it was good shows. Yeah, good guys as well. I really enjoy working with uh, Vincat and Rob, actually. They're um I mean, they're so into so many different bits and pieces of the whole model that it's, you know, it's amazing how much knowledge they have and the depth they have in those things too. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, um, yeah, we had a few announcements while I was away. The uh, the big one, which came out on Monday, actually, was the what's new in Office 2016 for developers. And um, we, we try to, we had a lot we could talk about, but there was a few things we really wanted to home in on on 2016. And um, obviously, Rob and yourself talked last week around the Word and Excel JavaScript APIs. But I think the big one for me, which we have talked about in the past, is the adding commands. So having the ability in the ribbon um, inside of Outlook uh, to kind of launch task pane add-ins or silently uh, run JavaScript and then have like some small notification directly in the user interface is really valuable as a way of discovering add-ins. I think people found it hard to find the store button and search for the store for what was relevant. Uh, the ability for like, the enterprise to roll these things out to organizations and have yeah, I think in the example we have with like the Boomerang and various other vendors like Evernote directly in the ribbon there, it's just easy for people to just click that link and launch the, the task pane inside Outlook or inside the mail, compose or read type yeah. environment. Yeah, you see a recognizable icon versus right. you know something that a little hexagon that's sitting there that says Office Add-ins. What, right. what, what is that? So yeah. you know, it, I, I think it's good from a not only from being able to find things easier, but it also for the the partners that are building these add-ins. I think it's great just from a branding standpoint. You get you get your own logo in you know an application right. that one point two billion users around the world yeah. use. It's a know? serious amount of real estate, right? Yeah. And um, I mean, in that we case study there is like PayPal with their payments built directly into the mail, which is really neat. So um, yeah, it's good to kind of showcase the fact that when we launch these things. We've got partners that are already built and ready for these types of shapes being available and the adding commands being available, yeah. which is cool. So that was that was one of the posts. And then, as I say, the other post was the 
Word and Excel JavaScript and some of the new functions that are available. And obviously you had Rob on the show talking about that. And um, I think what maybe you didn't talk about was there's a bunch of samples that got shipped when this blog post came out basically a week ago when this podcast comes out um, where the Max team, it used to be CPUB Content Publishing, have shipped a bunch of samples that you can actually go and download and, um, and run in Visual Studio. And um, they're really neat samples. They kind of show how to use a lot of these new API in, that are available inside Office JS too, and you can see that it just adds so much value and like kind of like business case to yeah. what you can actually achieve now with the task pane add-in or a content add-in directly in those two products. Yeah, this you know this one Office JS release to me, it it speaks more to the modern Microsoft than almost anything yeah. in the way we did documentation, in the way we landed this with all these samples. You know, a lot of times we'll land something and we might have like a really simple hello world, but we have some really good elaborate samples. And, you know, it, it to me, uh, it's it's pretty pretty awesome the way we were able to deliver it this time around. Yeah. You know, it's, we, we mentioned some of those samples last week in the show, but, uh, you know, that was the other thing. We did the show on the day that some of this stuff was right. kind of becoming public. And yeah. so it was... Uh, it's it's nice to have this consolidated one. So the show notes, definitely check it out and go look at the full post that we have yeah. on dev.office.com. I think there's like six or seven samples there that are they're solid samples. Like they're easily, I can do those in a keynote or um, to a customer and executive briefing to really highlight what's available. Like they're not the typical filed apps or you know unthought out. Click this button and it'll inject stuff in the page. Like it's actually genuinely doing something that would yep. an enterprise would go and build in their own in their own companies. Yep. And then one that's come out today, Tuesday, as we're recording the show, that will come out on Thursday, is uh, we finally have the swag boxes. So I gave you one today. They're pretty cool, huh? No, man, it's packed full of good stuff. Yeah, it's um, a testament to Dana, actually, who's in our team. Um, I kind of gave her the challenge of, look, we've got this much budget per box, and um, I wanted to be enticing enough that's going to make a user group go, oh, actually, we can take this box and commit to doing a presentation to our user group on office development. Um, obviously, we have all the training content available, the slide decks and the video recordings and the, the samples they can run as part of the presentation. But in return, we send you the box and you get a bunch of goodness there. And I think the key one, um, although actually the, the mini jam box speaker, in my opinion, is awesome. I travel yeah. a heap. Having that in a hotel room is just, or in the beach, actually, I had that in Australia. Oh, it's nice. epic. But um, the hoodies are the one that everyone wants, apparently. You know, the, of, uh, there's lots of great things in here, right? There's the, the hoodie, the jam box. I'm really stoked about the the coffee mug. Yeah, I think it's, right? it's a pretty cool mug. Yeah, yeah, I was really surprised how good that came out because sometimes, I mean, essentially you reach out to all these different companies that, you know, they, they create swag for, you know, lots of companies and Microsoft use particular ones and often you'll get back these weird bubble heads and crappy pens and pads and stuff. You're like, oh, I don't really want to do that because no one's going to use them. And then um, I saw these coffee mugs. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be really nice to slap the Office Dev logo and the URL on it. So, um, yeah, I think the mugs are going to be a hit, actually. And we finally got the um, the pin badges done and um, the stickers with the agave cat with the bazooka and the fly in the office flag. And we um, we got permission off the Windows team to get the, the unicorn with a cat ninja cat riding on it and put the office logo and our URL on it too. So that was pretty cool that um, they gave us a head nod for that stuff too, which is neat. Yeah, and for those that, it's funny, we throw the term out so frequently, but uh, for those that, if you look at some of the swag and you're like, what, Agave, what's that? So <laughs> Agave w- was basically the internal code name for 
add-ins, and it's still used a lot internally. Oh, we'll, we'll call we, it agave all the time. I mean, we just come out of building 34 with Tristan, and there's an agave avenue if you go in that building. That's right. Yeah, so it's uh, it's something that the engineers never seem to lose the code words. They stick with the code words, and and then it, it they really struggle when they go outbound and talk to customers about add-ins because they call them agaves. The customers right. are like, what the hell is an agave? So. Um, we need to get Rolando on the show to talk about how that kind of came about. Like it's a little bit yeah. to do with his origin. And Sticker was actually drawn by his wife too. And I saw he had him stuck on his office. And actually, he, I think he gave you I, one I he had one. printed. I was on able to print. snag one of the originals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, our ones are a little bit smaller than what you got in the surface. But um, they're really neat. They're a bit, bit of fun. And it's good to kind of promote dev.office.com. And uh, actually, the other one that was really useful is the uh, the battery charger. And the ones we bought, are they're a little bit more expensive than ones that typically people vendors hand out. But it's 2,400 milliamps. That thing will charge your iPhone 6 three times over. Really? Yeah. So it's a, a good little battery pack. And um, I was handy, like, on my flight over to Australia. You know, you do the leg down to LA, which is short, it's an hour and a half. You do the leg to Sydney, which is 15 hours in a plane. Mm-hmm. And then Perth which is five hours. And these planes don't have USB ports in them. You know, they're all the old 747s and 767s. So having two of those to keep my battery charged so I can listen to music on the plane was hugely valuable. Nice. So, um, yeah, so if you're running a user group, it doesn't have to be Office. It can be just, a, you know, if you're a PHP user group or a Python user group, go to that blog post that's in the show notes and um, send an email to that email address with all your details and um, we'll, we'll send you the swag box. And then we had some a few little bits and pieces on the on the community side. It's been a bit quiet this week, hey? Yeah, it has been quiet. Uh, so hopefully maybe get some listeners to maybe contribute some good stuff. But there was one interesting post that I found that I thought was unique, and it was by Stephen Owens. Not really someone necessarily that spends a lot of time in the Office 365 space, but it, I thought it was relevant for our listeners is you know, doing actually performing OAuth from PowerShell. You know, OAuth typically requires the, you know, the interception of, you know, a, a login screen and doing redirects. Yeah. And so I thought it was interesting uh, seeing how you might be able to achieve the same sort of how thing. How does he do it? Um, you know, it, he, he kind of goes through a, a lot of detail here around, you know, defining uh, your endpoint and getting, yeah. getting your access tokens. So uh, we'll put the show notes in there. I think it's a it's Wow, a that is really one. detailed. It's got heaps of screenshots too. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of stuff in the PNP world where um, Owen Van Heumann and those guys are building PowerShell scripts for SharePoint. So it'll be interesting to see whether this same technique can be used to call other API layers as well. So yep. that, that's cool. And then lastly, um, the dev intersections, which you're going to be at too, right? I'm going to be there for Amsterdam. the hackathon. That's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, so there's a dev intersections event in Amsterdam. There's actually one in Las Vegas, which is two weeks after that. They're typically very well supported by the Visual Studio team and the Azure team, like Scott Hunter and Scott Hanselman and Scott Goo and those guys all attend and do keynotes there. And mm-hmm. um, we've had a pretty good presence there from an Office 365 aspect as well. So we're running some hackathons there. And we've got some pretty cool prizes, Xbox Ones and some Surfaces to give away. So we'll be there like just to kind of help unblock people but and kind of encourage them to come up with their ideas. But um, you've recently come from a hackathon. You, like I wasn't here. I really wanted to be at that show. But... Um, in my absence, you went to the TechCrunch one, and that was a really cool little hackathon that you had going there, right? It was. You know, it's uh, it's one of the biggest hackathons that's performed in North America, and so it had lots of students, lots of you know professionals there. Uh, it was a little bit of everything, and and a lot of diverse solutions. So it was really cool to see 
the traction that we were able to get with some developers, some cool stuff was built. So yeah, it was. And I mean, essentially what we did was we posted challenges amongst other platforms that also posted challenges. And then the teams picked what challenges they wanted to kind of build solutions for, right? That's right. It's all about show me the money. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Whoever offers the most, you usually get a lot of uh, adoption of those challenges. But yeah, so everyone kind of offers up different prizes and, and then you can kind of pick and, you know, you could build really anything you want. A lot of these hackathons will go to, it will be more scoped. Like you need to build something that solves this challenge or yeah. is in some sort of category. Maybe it's like, you know, bettering the world in, in some sort of way. Right. This was just build anything you want. Yeah. And the more challenges that you adopt, you can, you theoretically could try to fit in every single challenge into your solution. Right, right. But, you know, obviously you want to do what makes sense. And There were some cool ones where they were using like IBM Watson and the Outlook APIs in one solution as well. I saw that. Yeah, you know, we've talked about the the Project Oxford, which right. does a lot of the similar things that Watson does. And yeah. Yeah, so it was cool seeing that. I'd love to see more of a, you know, a, a Microsoft-centric solution around that. But it was neat to see some maybe, you know, diverse kind of technologies pulled together. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the people at Dev Intersections. And we've got like um, Angular Connect in London, which are going to be out with me as yep. well. And then we have um, actually in... November at the SharePoint Europe conference where Jeff Teeper is going to be there kind of talking about the VNext SharePoint, which is going to be really cool. Uh, we're going to have a hackathon there too. And that's in Stockholm. And apparently people already started warming how damn cold it's going to be there. We're there in November. And then we have uh, and DevCon, which is an Android conference in December in Santa Clara. So mm -hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see how different those hackathons are because people are coming from different walks of life. And you know, some are going to be partners, some are going to be enterprise devs, um, some are going to be kind of like guys that kind of build from home. It'll be interesting to see what 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 solutions people come up with in these hackathons and, yeah. and what they submit. The cool thing we're going to do there, and there'll be more information on this on, on the blog coming up, is we're actually going to do uh, public voting. So on devpost.com, if you go to dev.office.com right now, slash hackathons, you can see the hackathons and it links off to the devpost.com pages. Shortly, we'll actually open them up so that the teams can submit what they're going to post as a submission. But then the beauty is, is all you guys listening to the podcast can actually go in and watch the two to three minute YouTube videos and actually vote on what, what submission you like the most. And that'll actually dictate who actually wins the hackathon and who gets the, the Xboxes and the services. So uh, for me, it's just really interesting seeing what people come up with. Um, you know, in the show, Tristan talks about how excited he is at the partners and what they've come up with with the APIs. But um, it's always good in the hackathon. It's just amazing what people can do in... 24, 48 hours and, and get these things demoable with a little bit of smokes and mirrors to kind of demonstrate in a YouTube video and get on DevPost. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, good to be back, man. Good to have you're you back. Here, you're all here all week. Yes. We had a few beersies last night. No, not, not a single no, one. I think you might have um, been beating me on the busy count too. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> That's why you're a bit quiet today. <sighs> sure. <laughs> All right, well, it's good to be back, man, and um, enjoy the show, everyone, and uh, we'll be on there next week with some new stuff. And definitely hang out for the end of the show. Uh, this oh. week's podcast, Punked, is none other than Eric Shups. So yeah. this is a good one. So you know what? I didn't listen to them when I was away. I, I was on the call with Mark Rackley's one, and that was priceless. But apparently you got Eric pretty good. 
We got Eric Good. So um, Ben Reed from my team yeah. was like the best actor ever. Like Ben, Ben, I think came from Hollywood. It was so good. <laughs> so we basically called Eric, uh, who runs the Dallas Fort Worth SharePoint user group, and it was the night before or the day before his next user group meeting. Yeah. So he's got like hundreds of people come into this user group meeting, and we basically called to say that someone was. Uh, we called as Microsoft Global Security, <laughs> and say that someone was offended that by something that was said and they weren't going to be allowed on campus. And it was, <laughs> it was really good. So Eric, I, I was a little bit nervous on how Eric would take it, but I have to admit Shups was an amazing sport with it. And uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. So definitely we got a great talk with Tristan, but definitely hang out on the end and, and check out the podcast punked with Eric. Yeah. I did notice that Twitter didn't go that crazy on the, the I mean, maybe how people don't listen to it. They jump after the show. But. Yeah. You guys let us know if you like podcast punk, let us know. We need to know yeah. if we need to continue with it or if it's something that needs to just um, die off. I've already had a few people email me with suggested new targets as well. Awesome. So um, yeah, we'll have a bit of fun with it. It's nothing nasty. It's a little bit of a tongue in cheek. I am quite surprised that Eric didn't go completely off the rails and much like Mark, stay very professional in terms of how he responded to it, which yes. is good. I'm, I'm sure you'll try and get me at some point and I'm, I'll definitely go off the rails and start yelling and swearing more likely. Well, you do that normally. So. Uh, that's right. I mean, it's just part of day-to-day -day life, right? <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks, man. And yep. uh, enjoy the show, guys. Okay. So I'm in here in Building 34 with uh, Rich. Thanks for uh, holding up the fort for two weeks, mate, while I was on vacation. You're back. I am back. Are you able to sleep? Uh, a little bit now. Although people keep saying my Australian accent's come back a little bit than it had before I left, so. I just sound the same to me. <laughs> were, you, were you like speaking like without an accent at all before you left? <laughs> I don't have an accent. It's you guys that have the accent. Right. I think it's just a few <laughs> Aussie words I keep throwing out there. Two weeks in front of all my Aussie friends has kind of influenced my dialogue a little bit. And um, we're in Tristan's office here, so uh, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Absolutely. It's been a long time coming. I do apologize it's taken this long to get you on here. We've had a lot of your uh, managers and ICs in here talking about like specific features like Rob and what's, what we thought was it'd be good to get you on the show to talk a little bit more about how your org is set up and how you work with other teams. I personally found it interesting when I joined of how kind of Rob left this org all up kind of integrated with everything that was going on yeah and i guess my experience has been that you guys all assume that people get like that there's 100 buildings here and the excel <laughs> teams in a different building the powerpoint teams in a different building and the outlook teams down the hill and that somehow miraculously you guys all know each other and get on every day and hang out but that isn't always the case right yeah that's true so to kind of contextualize my team is the core office extensibility team so we're kind of if you want to think of us as a hub and a bunch of spokes we're the hub team and we're responsible for sort of making sure there's a consistent vision around all the extensibility stuff that we do here in office. So there's lots of teams that are bringing lots of pieces to the table. Uh, we have lots of partners from the Outlook guys that you mentioned to the core Word, Excel, and PowerPoint teams, uh, to the OneDrive team, to the SharePoint team, the Azure folks, the OneNote folks, I could go on. Yeah. Um, but really our job is to say, hey, let's bring all those folks together and make sure that we have one clear, consistent vision for how devs should be extending Office and Office 365. Uh, and that shows up in a couple of forms. It shows up with all of the stuff we do around add-ins and making sure that if a developer wants to go build an add-in for Outlook, that it's very similar to the experience to go build an add-in for Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. It also shows up with all the work we're doing around the unified Office 365 APIs. So there's a place where we have a ton of teams that have built great APIs specific to their products. So Outlook has an awesome set of APIs for Outlook. OneNote has an awesome set of APIs for OneNote. Same for OneDrive. 
Uh, and then our team really said, hey, let's bring all that together into a single unified API so developers don't need to go look separate places for all these different APIs and how to work with them. Uh, but they can go to one surface and get one consistent feel to all those APIs, and they all work together much more tightly than they would have if they were separate. So. Yeah. And, and this has been a journey. Right? I mean, when I came in the 18 months, that's a March of last year, you know, we were just talking about that in preview in the, in the first instance, which was get the auth to work across all those endpoints in one go and discovery service. Yep. And then kind of the next step was let's have a single endpoint as in graph.mux.com where all those things hung off. And then the next kind of step is this conversion auth, which we had, or Rich had Ben Cat on the show talking about as well. So it's it's been that journey where rather than it being this three-year cycle wait, punch it, put it on CDs and ship it, it's kind of this continuous ship cycle and pushing it out. That's exactly right. Um, the way a lot of our team operates is we don't want to wait for big points in time to ship stuff. We want developers to have the latest and greatest stuff as soon as it rolls off the line. So we're constantly working with these other teams to come up with improvements to the APIs, make the add-ins experience better, and just get that stuff out as it shows up. Yeah. The Fabric stuff was a great example of this a few weeks ago. We'd been working on building a great UI framework for add-ins, and when it was ready, we just shipped it. Yeah. We didn't wait for any special point in time. We just got it out there, got it in developers' hands, got it on GitHub, and let people take it and run with it from there. Yeah, I think people are getting used to that cadence. Like the SharePoint guys, oh, hang on, we haven't got story ready for UI Fabric with SharePoint yet. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to all be done at once. Like, If we keep waiting for everyone to be ready, we'll never ship anything. So, And there was a huge benefit already to the Office adding kind of partner community in being able to use that fabric. And even standalone websites have seen already, yeah. there's a bunch of partners that have, have thrown the fabric in there and it looks a lot better now because it looks and feels like our experience when you run their product. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that was the goal is really, fabric is this, this amazing UI framework that we know we're going to be building on in the future and we're going to extend to SharePoint and also kinds of other places. We want the community to have a hand in where we take it. Right? Yeah. We wanted them to get their hands dirty, actually use it to build websites and send us back that feedback that it's like, hey, these are the kinds of components you're missing. Here's the place I want to use it that I can't use it yet. Here's the frameworks you're not neatly plugged into yet. And we can sort of have that two-way dialogue about how we evolve this kind of stuff versus us sitting, you know, toiling away for three years and then releasing something, not knowing how people are going to react. It's a much more iterative process. And I just love that tight connection with the community. So, And, and how do you guys work internally with engineering? I mean, you say the hub, hub and spoke, but... There's always this danger that if if all you're doing is overseeing what other teams are doing and not getting your hands dirty, it's hard to kind of dictate or uh, for them to have confidence in what you're what you're doing. So there's certain things you guys kind of own, and as an example, and then you roll it out to the other product groups, right? That's exactly right. So a couple good examples of that, like my team directly owns the add-ins and APIs experience for Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. So you yep. kind of think of us as the Office client extensibility team, and anytime you see like all the JS stuff we did for Word and Excel with Office 2016 that was born and developed here, and we did all the engineering work on that. And then we did all the underlying architecture work for the unified APIs. Like yeah. all those APIs and the way that they work and the infrastructure that sits around them, that was all engineered and, and designed here on the team. And that gives us a bunch of really deep expertise on how these things should work, right. which lets us partner up with the individual teams who are building you know, the Outlook APIs or the OneNote APIs to have a deep connection and understand what their needs are because... We both have built the infrastructure and we've consumed it ourselves, so we can kind of sit on both sides of that fence and see how things need to work and then take that knowledge and use it to work with partner teams as well. So you've, I mean, you are responsible for a pretty broad set of, of APIs. I mean, just the ones you said there. What's your background? I mean, tell us a little bit about Tristan. Uh, we haven't had you on the show before. Sure, yeah. Sure, yeah. So uh, my background here at Microsoft is I'm, I was on the work team for 12 and a half years. So. <laughs> 
shipped every version of Word from Word 2003 through to the Windows 10 version of Word that we released uh, earlier this year. Uh, so a bunch of deep expertise on the Word side. But the neat thing about working on the Word team was uh, I spent a lot of time in the extensibility community working on extensibility related features. So that was, uh, for example, at Word 2007, we did this thing called content controls. Yeah. That's sort of the backbone of how you work with structured data in Word. That was me, and that was sort of my first big feature addition to the Word team. Wow, that's cool. Uh, and then I got to go work on Word web app and think about, hey, how do you take an application that was really client-centric and bring it into a cloud services-oriented world? Uh, we built something called Word Automation Services, so yeah. uh, SharePoint shared service that lets you do document conversion off in the cloud. Uh, again, that was sort of one of my babies of like, hey, I keep seeing customers come to me and say, I need to bulk convert all these Word documents to PDFs. How do I do that? Uh, and born of that was this, oh, we could totally build that in as a native feature of SharePoint and let that all happen offloaded from the client. So I've gotten to work kind of soup to nuts on all kinds of neat developer stuff on the Word team uh, and then took sort of a two and a half year side tour working on designing the OpenXML file format. So okay. uh, got to figure out, hey, what's the file format that's uh, open and standards-based for Office and how do we go and build that out and document it and make sure the community can use that as another fundamental building block and solutions. So all up, how long you been with Microsoft? Uh, just over 13 years now, wow. so okay. almost all of that on the Word team. So you got a few crystals. Yes. They're in your boxes. Yeah. Oh, they're there. Yeah. yeah, hiding a couple of crystals under the desk there. So how has that adjustment been, being very kind of Word-centric? I mean, you obviously mentioned a few services like Word automation services and things like that to, you know, being in, in, over a team that is quite so broad. I mean, you have the, the full unified API, which is obviously more of a that kind of pure API layer. And how has that kind of transition been? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Living on an application team, you see the world through one very specific lens. <laughs> Everyone's Word, everything is Word, and then you sort of jump over here and you, you get an opportunity to see the breadth of what Office means to customers, right? That there are folks for whom Word is the most important application we ship, and there are lots of folks for whom Word is the least important application we ship. And uh, really getting to sit down with a ton of different customers who are coming at Office from a ton of different angles and sort of understand, one, how important we are across the entire suite of applications that we ship, and two, that we need to balance having a consistent story for the guy who works on Outlook to the guy who works on SharePoint, the guy who's working in OneNote. Those folks tend to start in one place and end up percolating across the ecosystem, right? Like the guy who starts building a OneNote solution then says, ooh, I could also integrate Outlook in here. Uh, and we need to make sure, and this is a big eye-opener for me, that when that guy moves from one product to many, that he just feels like, oh, wow, this was designed by one person or one set of yeah. people. Right, right. It's uh, the which, same company building these things. Right, which yeah, is a big yeah. challenge when you have. You know, we have many, many program managers across all the teams who are thinking deeply about all these specific problems, making sure all those folks kind of have the same vision for what we need to do and are thinking about designing things in the same way so that that guy doesn't see any seams. Yeah. So he doesn't see, oh, there's where the OneNote team built that piece and there's where the Outlook team built that piece and there's where the Office Extensity Ability guys built that piece. I think that's why we relate like our team relates so easily to your team because you are so broad. Whereas, you know, sometimes when we go talk to the Outlook guys and the OneNote guys, you know, when you start talking about other things, they start to kind of shade off. And like, well, I know we already <laughs> care about it from this angle. Like we've shipped this stuff already, it doesn't matter. So that's, that's always interesting kind of seeing that different, different aspect of what people are really caring about at that point in time. Yeah, and we tend to care about everything. Like yeah. I sit down with customers and I may not have all the depth expertise of like the Outlook guys. They for sure know more about Outlook than I'll ever know. Um, but we can kind of sit across all of it and give people kind of that broad view of like, hey, here's ways you should think about mashing these products up in different yeah. ways. And here's a connection you didn't think about about another place you want to plug in Excel that you might not have thought about. Or, hey, 
you're doing a bunch of interesting stuff with Word. Let me tell you this other way that you can integrate with OneNote that might be a really complementary solution. So we yeah. kind of get to come at it from this really broad horizontal standpoint. And a lot of times, find connections customers won't see if they're really deep in one specific vertical right, solution. Right, right. And I find like with our team, like sometimes we we point where we discuss with different groups. We point out things where the dots aren't joined, and then you know we we pull it together where we know that that group's working on something over here that makes total sense for these guys to go talk to because they're doing something quite similar, but they're just not aware of that kind of what's going on in their, in, in other teams. Yep, and that's exactly, that's one of the things my team spends a lot of time doing is making sure those connections are met, right? Like we've got, uh, like I said, many, many smart people across the, the org thinking about all these different problems and we kind of do end up drawing the lines between the dots and places and saying, ooh, we should make sure these people are connected so because you're thinking about APIs that are fundamentally pretty similar, and the concepts and the way the API shape looks should actually be fundamentally pretty similar. And how do you do that? Like, what are you using tech to do that, or is it a lot of in-person meetings? Or it's a combination. So uh, part of it is just having your pulse on all the things that are going on, so you kind of know what all the dots are, and you can start to draw those lines. But more and more, what we're trying to look for is you know tech-driven solutions that can do that kind of stuff. So, for example, with the unified APIs, we're building a really great set of onboarding tools, so that if someone shows up and says, "Hey," I've got this API and I want to build it as part of graph.microsoft.com. We can say, great, here's a bunch of tools you can go and run against your API surface that will spit out a bunch of like things you should consider and inconsistent naming problems and places that you might conflict with other things that we've done. So that rather than them feeling like my team is the traffic cop, who's kind of you know, slowing them down in terms of shipping, that yeah. it's really, hey, here's a bunch of helpful stuff that will make sure that when you onboard, customers will love it and they'll see it as another consistent piece of the constellation and that you'll spend less time going from conceptual API and a piece of the Microsoft graph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that onboarding stuff is a big part of what we want to do is really enable more and more APIs to get here and come in a consistent way. Yeah. How long, um, like the the office extensibility, I mean, how, how long is that team, you know, because I know Microsoft goes through a lot of different like reorganizations and things like that. But I mean, that like the, like having a really close communication and, and really close tie between how different APIs are done across the different products. That seems like it's become a lot more of like an essential thing over the last like, you know, two to three years. Has it always kind of been organized that way or is it more uh, relatively new? Yeah, so the the Office Extensibility team in its current form, we've existed for about five years, I would say. Okay. Uh, really sitting as the sort of folks thinking about the developer community and making sure there's one central base of knowledge there. Uh, there have been extensibility teams that are purely focused on that in the past. Um, but it's been sort of, they were smaller teams and they were sort of one little piece of the overall office puzzle. Uh, but one of the things we did five years ago, and Brian Jones, who sort of preceded me on this team, sort of really drove was we need a central sort of access and core of expertise around this stuff in the organization and said, hey, we need to get a bunch of folks who will just think purely about developers and make developers super happy and super productive and give them all the tools they need to succeed building office solutions. Um, and over the past five years, we've gone from sort of that was our theory. We didn't have anything that we chipped to having great set of you know web-based add-ins and a web-based add-in framework for the clients and having these unified APIs and having all kinds of tools and having fabric and all that sort of stuff to really let people be productive in the modern world. It feels like like you know, I know Jeremy, you said that your team relates well because of the broad view of things, but yeah, it also feels like the developer community, like our listeners are kind of in the same boat. Right. I, I see I, it's exciting for me to see you know, long-time SharePoint MVPs that are starting to branch out, like yeah. Waldeck and, and Andrew Connell, and, and building, you know, really great IP around Office add-ins, mm -hmm. which is probably something they wouldn't have touched 
you know, three, four years ago. And now it's something that the, the skills very easily translate to these other technologies. Yep, that's very true. Uh, the other place you see it a lot is with folks who've been building VBA for many years. Like we've got a great stable of MVPs and third parties and ISVs who are really deeply understood VBA and the client object models. And those guys are increasingly taking that skill set and bringing it over to the modern admin framework yeah. and saying, hey, look, I can do all the same things, but now this add-in won't just work in Windows, it'll work in the browser, and it'll work on the iPad, and I can go and build a solution that travels with my users from their desktop to their phone to their tablet, uh, even to the web. And seeing that transition of knowledge and those folks sort of make that journey is really, I think, inspiring because it sort of speaks to, yep, we've sort of nailed it, and we've got all the right pieces in place to bring those folks forward with us And as we think about the future of the developer ecosystem. Yeah, it's been good to see that vision come to grips. You know, if you think in the last two, three years, like we've talked about it a lot, but I think there's this convergence happening now where it really is at the point where, it, you know, it's solid, um, especially on the office side with the add-ins and as we're going across to all the clients and getting that support across you know, Word, PowerPoint, Excel, Outlook, on all the different platforms. And it's been really nice to kind of see partners get it but I think end users get it as well like you I just installed while I was on vacation I bought my mum a MacBook Air uh, and the first thing I did was went and got Office 365 personal and installed Mac on that and um, I showed her some of the add-ins in Outlook I like, that's great it's gonna be so useful like I get sent addresses all the time and be able to launch like the Bing Bing add-in on the Outlook She's like, well, that's great. Like, I don't have to copy and paste that and put it in a browser. And I didn't put those words in her mouth. It was just something that she made you saw as a benefit. So I think it will benefit the end users once it's out there in all these different clients. And I think we're just we're early at the minute, and the people that get that early are going to be the ones that really benefit once this is, which is broad mainstream. Yeah, it's totally true. I mean, one of the awesome things that we've done in Office generally over the last few years is having that consistency of experience, right? Where you're used to using Office at your PC, you go grab Office for iPhone, and it's the familiar commands you use, they go organize in a familiar way, yeah. and they work the same way you'd expect them to. And really seeing that pull through to add-ins as well, where it's like, oh, I have this add-in that's super customized for the way that I work and does something very unique to me, and that also travels with me, and it feels familiar. Like It's not like, oh, here's my add-in on my PC, and then I get to my phone, and I suddenly can't do that. But the, that all pulls through, and those add-ins work in a fundamentally similar yeah. way, and all that kind of cool stuff. And I think that's where it makes the most sense as well. Like. If the Excel team and the PowerPoint team and the Word team all had their own extensibility team members, no one would feel right in going, we're going to be the ones that dictate how the add-in model is going to look on the iPad. Like having a central team, and I know Alberto who's worked on that a lot, who we've had on the show in the past, yep. you know, who own what the um, what that looks like on, on all the different platforms through the fabric is is really key there as well. Yeah, it's been and it's been great. Like the one nice thing we have is a really tight partnership with those teams because, you know, the guys in the Word team know Word better than we'll ever know Word because right. they can go deep on Word and same for Excel and PowerPoint. And we can kind of combine forces and say, hey, we really understand how things should work consistently across the ecosystem and they understand what an Excel guy expects about Excel. When you pull those two things together, you get a really strong story that's both consistent and incredibly familiar to people who are experts in those apps. Like yeah. My goal is that a guy who's been an Excel VBA person for his whole life will be able to walk up to our APIs look at them and go, okay, yep, I kind of know where the boundaries are, which way is up, and I can get going and be productive really quickly. Um, and it's been fun to sort of get those new APIs out and watch people actually have that realization and go, oh, yeah, I understand all these building blocks and how to put them together in a fundamental way to go build really cool stuff. There's been a drastic change in terms of documentation with that sense as well, right? Like as you jump across MSDN now, there's a consistency across all those products, and that's partly to do with the fact that the way that you structure the, the technical writers now is they're in your teams too, right? Yeah, so what we've been doing is saying, hey, documentation is a core part of engineering. Like, it's not a separate thing, it's not an afterthought, but 
If you're gonna go and build a feature, you need to have awesome documentation as part of building that feature. We've been partnered really closely with our uh, compatriots who are technical writers and have a bunch of expertise there to say, you guys should just be operating as one engineering crew. And we've had this incredibly productive sort of partnership with those folks where as we were building, for example, the new APIs, the documentation people were sitting in the crew. They were our first and best consumer of them. They got sort of to see the APIs the day they rolled out of the build and say, hey, I'm going to build samples and this didn't feel quite right. Or, hey, I couldn't hook up this API the way I'd expect because the output of this function and what you need to put in here aren't consistent and uh, have that really tight loop that both improve the quality of the documentation and improve the quality of the APIs because suddenly you had somebody basically poking at them from day zero and saying, this is what works and this is what doesn't feel right yet. And then we could iterate long before any customer had to see any of that stuff. And there's been a bit of a transition from MSDN to GitHub as well with that, right? And I know you've pushed that quite heavy on that. Yeah. And Rob did talk about that last week. I believe, a little bit. But yeah. It'd be interesting to get your take on that too. Yeah, so we're making a really big transition there of saying, hey, documentation, one, is a core part of engineering, and two, is sort of an ongoing two-way conversation where uh, I don't want it to be that, hey, we documented something and we missed something, and uh, or there's one little quirk that a developer finds, and that knowledge never finds its way back to the community. And through GitHub, we can essentially set it up so that all our documentation is just markdown files that are out there that anyone can say, oh, I'm going to go and submit a pull request to add a little bit of information here that I found that I think would be useful. Or, hey, I can go fork that and go find new ways of mashing up that documentation that are interesting to give people knowledge they didn't have before. Uh, and having that two-way conversation, I think, will both improve the quality of documentation and it'll help us go forward more confidently with what we want to do next. Like, one of the things I want us to do with that documentation is say, you know, here's the next three months of APIs we want to add in Excel. And I want to publish that long, long before we even start engineering and let people see it and let people comment on it and say, yeah, this is great. This is totally the next set of things that I need. Or, hey, these are great, but you forgot one thing and I want to go poke that right into your thinking. Because, um, you know, there's no, this isn't HoloLens. We don't need to be secretive about what we're doing. <laughs> I want developers to know early and often, like, hey, this is where we're taking the APIs. This is the next set of things we think are important. And then they can tell me, am I thinking about it right? Are the things that I'm missing? Are the things that are there that aren't important and really help us shape so that as quickly as possible, we're enabling as many scenarios as we can across all the applications that we have. And, and how are you getting that feedback? Like, how would people, if they had to, would they just be submitting issues in those repos? Is that the way you've been doing it? Or? Yeah, that's what we want to do is have people submitting issues and comments. Yeah. Uh, and then for documentation, once we publish it, if somebody wants to go and say, I want to submit a pull request and change a bunch of the text, yeah. I would love people to feel like they can do that, right? That yeah. they can come back to us and say, this is great, but you really should have a paragraph about you know, the way hidden workbooks work or the way that worksheets that are very hidden play into this API because that's super important to me. And then without us having cognated you know, ahead of time all the possible things we might want to say, the community is helping us build really thorough, really useful So rather than like having a parameter which says, the title of this parameter is title and the description of this parameter is this is the title. Like, it has a little bit more context yes. around the documentation, right? Right, exactly. Like I want to be able to have people say, ooh, I just found out the limit was 2,048 characters through some really obscure case, and they can come back and tell me, hey, we should add the limit to this thing is 2,048 characters. Yeah. We might not have thought to put it up front because who'd hit that limit, but the community could tell us, no, that's really important because I have a bunch of hidden workbooks where I use you know, a sheet name to encode some bunch of parameters or something crazy that I've never thought of. And now the whole world benefits from that piece of knowledge. And you also, I mean, we pushed out user voice very early on too, about two years ago. Your team kind of actively kind of looks at that and triages it. How, how does that process work internally between the different teams? Because that's quite a broad bucket, right? Like we just, our teams go, if you've got a feature and you're thinking about it, chuck it in user voice and people start commenting and adding it. 
but your team in engineering is really responsible to go, that's a great idea and actually it's already in the backlog. Or like, how, how do you operate that in your team? Yeah, so uh, we have sort of a very regular cadence with looking at that. So once every month, at least, we sort of go back to user voice, look at what's popping up, look at what's gained a bunch of votes and say, hey, what's our plan here? And we have sort of an active conversation within the PMs and engineers on the team to say, you know, here's what the community says is important. Is it lined up with what we think we're doing? Like, are we actually doing the most important stuff? And that sometimes is work that needs to change or needs to get added to the backlog on our team. And sometimes a conversation with the partner team that says, hey, do you know everybody in the community really wants X? It hasn't been part of your plans. And, and making sure that when people submit those user voice and you're using their few votes, that they're actually contributing to stuff that's going to get done. They don't feel like they're sort of yelling into a chasm and nobody's listening on the other side. But instead, I want them to know that we're listening, we're paying attention, and it actively influences the stuff that we do. And then in terms of kind of looking forward, obviously we've got our, we do the kind of the different moments every six months. You work quite closely with our team on kind of landing enough there that it's easy for everyone to digest. Like I know stuff ships over time, so we just had the 2016 yep. ships as Word and Excel there. But how, how do you motivate your teams to try and hit those bigger dates like it, so that they're because I, I found that, you know, that the ship part is, is really good for people's morale and feeling like they've achieved something. Whereas now in this world where we're all we're continually shipping, sometimes it's hard to look back and go, wow, we've achieved X, Y, and Z. So the moments are a good thing for your teams internally as well, right? Yeah, they're huge for us. Uh, one of the things that like everyone on this team loves more than anything else is seeing a developer use the APIs we're building in ways we never expected, right? Like, yeah. It's so fun to go and sit down with a partner or a customer and then they're like, hey, look at this thing that I built. And we're like, wow, I didn't even think of that someone would use these APIs to build that kind of solution. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like to do that, we have to build one really compelling APIs that are clearly documented that work really well and are performant. The other piece is we have to get the message out about, hey, this is what we've done. Right? It doesn't make sense to go build a bunch of APIs if no one knows that we built them. Uh, and those moments are awesome because they give us this really clear connection point with the community where we can say, hey, we've done all this cool stuff. Let me show you what it is and really walk you through it and tell you the thinking behind it and push people to go and build cool stuff on top of it. Um, and sometimes that's sort of a roll-up. Like I'm sure at the next moment we'll talk about these new JavaScript APIs because I think they're awesome and I'm really excited about them. But there's just a great chance to say to the community, hey, did you know what's been going on for the last few months? Like, Look at the kinds of really interesting depth solutions you can go and build on top of that stuff and always throw in some surprises as well every time. So that's fun. So how are you able to, how, how do you get to see some of the things that people are doing? with? I know that you even joked around before we got started recording on sometimes some of the engineers here get locked into their little rooms and, you know, developing away. How, how are you able to get... Uh, FaceTime with customers and seeing some of the things that they're doing. Yeah, so we actually, through Jeremy's team and through our developer evangelism org, we sort of have a really tight connection with the community. Uh, and one of the things I encourage everybody on my team to think about is uh, you should have a couple of customers that you know really deeply um, because it does a couple of things. One, it grounds you in the reality of what you're building. Is like, oh, like, yeah, that thing needs to work beyond the sample that I built, but it needs to work in a real-world solution with thousands of users across a bunch of tenants, uh, and it needs to work when I match it up with three different things I never thought I might build together. Uh, it also just helps us build a backlog we feel better about. Like, It's hard to sit here and say, this is the plan, this is what we're going to do for the next year, without really having it informed by, and here are examples of customers who are going to jump up and down when we do it. So we spend a lot of time looking for folks who are building on top of the new APIs, who are really pushing the limit, who have a lot of really great feedback, some of it positive, some of it constructive, that can tell us, hey, this is what you should go and do next. And it's that amalgamation across all the PMs I have on the team and all the PMs on the partner teams that really helps us 
refine our plan and get really confident about, yep, if we do these sets of things, the community will be excited and we'll continue to drive forward the kinds of things you can do on top of Office and Office 365. And uh, just afraid totally on the spot, with that in mind, what if you were to mention like one or two partners you think have done a really good job of kind of seeing what we've got as a platform and providing a, a solution for customers, what, what ones do you like showing as a uh, as a way that really shows that like kind of that clever mindset there. Yeah, so there's a couple. So there's a ISV called Office at Work who's building a bunch of really cool stuff that hasn't yet released. So I can't talk about it just yet, but they're pushing the limits on what we're doing with the APIs, on how we're using Fabric, and they're doing some really incredible things. I think we're going to be able to show in the not-too-distant future. They're getting me really excited. Uh, and then folks like DocuSign's another good example of a partner who's built an awesome solution that is both deeply integrated into Office on all kinds of different ways. They have a SharePoint add-in, a Word add-in, an Outlook add-in, and they push us pretty hard. You know, like yeah. They're another great like thing that I like to bring out when I'm showing customers because they're both incredibly useful. Like It's a real important scenario to a lot of our business customers, uh, and they've done a great job of showing, hey, this is how you integrate across the ecosystem. Right? Yeah. Like They take all of our extension points, and they're really thoughtful about what could we do here and how can we actually do it in a way that adds value and isn't just an integration for integration's sake. Yeah. Smartsheet's another great example of that where they really get deep on, hey, what are all the pieces we're building and how can we string them together into something that's not just an Excel add-in, but it's a really awesome Excel add-in that actually adds a bunch of value to people who spend their time in Excel every day. It was cool. I was at, uh, I was at Salesforce, the big Salesforce conference a few weeks ago, Dreamforce, and it was interesting how many people I, I talked to around office extensibility that were developers there. And obviously, you know, Salesforce is, is lineup business data, but, you know, talking about how when when you kind of mash those things up, the data that you you work with on a daily basis with Office, it, it almost turns Office into a line of business tool. Um, and, and just the excitement around, you know, from that, that community on how Office extensibility really enables uh, was, was pretty exciting to hear. It was pretty cool feedback. Yeah, it's always fun. Like, one of the things I realized, even in my time in Word, working on a bunch of extensibility stuff, is that uh, Word, Excel, and PowerPoint are amazing and they're the best Word processor, spreadsheet, and presentation tool on the planet. But you almost walk into any big customer and they don't just have stock Word, right? They have Word that's been customized to like a tool for lawyers to write contracts, or yeah. this is the tax auditor application for this big, you know, tax firm. And they've customized our UI and they've kind of built a bunch of add-ins that really enabled their users to use our tools in a really specific way. Uh, and that's why I think extensibility is just such an exciting space to be in is because it's how folks take our generic tool and make it really a thing that is essential to their day-to-day -day work. It's the thing that they need to complete the task that is their you know, nine to five, this is what I do and this is where my expertise is. And suddenly I don't think about how to use the tools, I just think about how to write the best possible ironclad contract or yeah. how to make sure I get all the right numbers into this tax audit database and that kind of stuff. Well, I appreciate your time. I'm Absolutely. sorry it's taken this long, really, but it's good to yeah. get that kind of... I get that view, really, the bird's eye view of what goes on on a day-to-day -day basis on this whole extensibility side of things. I think our next task is to get Rob Lethitz on here, who is your boss, to yes. go even deeper on the higher-level vision part. Absolutely. Talk a little bit more about how he works across the different Windows Azure components of Microsoft as the, the big org. Yeah. But um, where, where can we see you? Where, like, how can people reach out to you? Do you, you come into any conferences soon or anything you've got going up online? Not on Twitter, unfortunately. God, I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> it does have to change. Uh, but I'll definitely be, we have a bunch of hackathons and conferences coming up. Yeah. I'll definitely be a big part of the Connect moment in November. I'm really excited about that. Uh, and then folks can certainly feel free. Like, if you're sending stuff through user voice, 
uh, or if you're commenting and putting issues and pull requests on our documentation, you're gonna I can promise that. you that I'm one of the many people who's going to see them and yeah. internalize them and have lots of feedback. So. Yeah, that's awesome that you're like kind of ingrained in everything that's going on there. So that's cool. Yeah. Sweet. Well, thanks very much for your time, man. Absolutely. And um, yeah, we'll definitely get you on the show nearer the, the next moment to um, talk a little bit deeper and find out what you can finally reveal some of the things that we're all excited about that yes. we're targeting for that Dude. November day. Absolutely. Great. Thanks, Cheers, man. Here we go. We're, we're calling Eric Shoots. Hello? Hello? Who's this? Oh, hello. Is this Eric Shoots? It is. Hi, my name is Ben. I'm with Microsoft Global Security. Uh, do you have a second? Sure. Okay, great. Thank you, sir. Are you uh, still the coordinator of the SharePoint user group that meets, meets monthly at the Las Colinas campus? I am. Okay. Um, I'm calling today to inform you that we have a complaint filed by one of the attendees from the last user group. Okay. And uh, one of the attendees was offended by a comment that was made when she described as a, the tall coordinator uh, being telling the audience that if you are using SharePoint 2003, then you should probably just give up on life now. Were you there at that last meeting, sir? I was, okay. yes. Do you uh, remember that comment at all? No. Okay, because apparently this is not the first time that she's been insulted by what she calls ageism. Okay. So, and um, Eric, I'm sorry, but I don't judge the complaints or I don't wait them. I just follow up on the investigation. So do you, do you happen to know who the tall coordinator, she said, wore a cowboy hat, who he might be? Oh, well, that's interesting because I don't wear my cowboy hat during the meeting. Okay, uh, so the profile that I was given on the individual um, was according to those uh, match that description. Uh huh. So interesting. Was there any? Do you remember any sort of confrontation during your last meeting, sir? None at all. No. Okay. In fact, I wasn't. I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what we discussed, but I don't even think, I certainly wasn't the primary presenter. I only did the introductions. Okay. And she said this came from the tallest gentleman. So I'm, well, I'm just trying to trace down the facts and uh, see if I'm talking. Well, I'm, not, I'm not the tallest gentleman in the room. Um, if she inferred that I was wearing a cowboy hat, I don't wear my cowboy hat to meetings. I am known for wearing a cowboy was, hat. Was this in a breakout meeting, perhaps? I'm like I'm. I don't have a full detailed list. I was just told that someone in the group uh, extremely offended her, and that uh, as a result, I have to call the presenters and identify who that individual is. Uh, for example, um, policy. We have a Microsoft policy that prohibits non-FTEs from being on campus if they are part of an active investigation. Okay, well, um, nobody complained to me, nor had they complained to the other coordinators who were there during the meeting. I don't recall any such comment okay. being made. Uh, I don't, I can't recall, I'll have to look and find out if I was even presenting in one of our breakout meetings. Okay. I don't remember if I did or not but I certainly have no recollection of making such a comment. All right. Um, and we've never received any such complaints. I've been involved with the user group for 10 years. 
well, never received any complaints that I'm aware that she's been offended. Um, as I mentioned, by ageism, and uh, it's we take it with the utmost um, concern, and uh, it's a serious matter. And so I have to, on behalf of um, the global security team here at Microsoft, I need to make sure that uh, when there is an active investigation that is going on, uh, that we prevent people. So when is your next group, if you don't mind? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Um, now, as it happens, I won't be there tomorrow. I'm in San Antonio presenting at another user group, so I won't actually be on campus tomorrow. If indeed she is referring to me, and we don't know that she is if she didn't provide a name. Yeah, she, she matched the profile that meets your description, and that's sort of what I'm following up on. Okay. Perhaps maybe we, can, uh, maybe we can schedule time. Everybody who attends the group knows my name. There is no okay. question. Sir, that they it sounds like me. you're deferring and you're not trying to answer my questions. This is a serious matter. I'm looking into a legal investigation that has been opened against a person that matches your description. And I'm sorry that that profiling is not uh, not commonly accepted, but in when it comes to matters of personal security and someone being assaulted verbally, I uh, take this with the utmost concern, and I want to protect our community groups uh safety what would you like me to do uh i think it would be best if we scheduled you to come down and uh have an interview with our global security team and what would be the terms of this interview uh i will get a formal complaint um detailed out from her and she has retained legal counsel and filed this complaint through our lca team and uh, it looks like she is pursuing legal action through the uh through the courts. So, excuse me? Yes, sir. I'm, again, as I mentioned, I don't judge the complaints. I was not there. I just have to follow up on these investigations. So, if uh, we can schedule time for you to come in and have two investigators interview you, their name, they host a podcast together and their name Jeremy Fake and Richard Zizrega. <laughs> hey. All right. That's enough. That's quite enough. You've been podcast punked. This is Richard. You got me, guys. <laughs> Happy Monday. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Hey, Eric. Just, just Sorry about that. Conference in my attorney. <laughs> <laughs> You're both bad. You know that. I know. I know. And I'm sure we're going to pay for this, but it's going to be great on the podcast. <laughs> you all don't have anything better to do. <laughs> Not really. Sonia's here, too. Say hi, Sonia. Hi, Eric. Oh, wow. Sonia, they drug you into this nonsense? Good grief. They did. They did. Well, Jeremy's in Australia, so we needed a, a <laughs> few more um, actors in this um, shore. So thanks for being a good well, sport about I it. I can assure you, LCA already knows my name, so there wouldn't be any question about the description. They know me well. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> thanks. thanks, Eric, for being a good sport. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Love you all. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of our other podcasts and all of our amazing resources. You can also check here for more information on our developer program where you can get a one-year, three developer tenant stop building against the Office 365 platform. We're always here to chat with you on the Office 365 technical network on aka.ms slash office365devpodcastyam. Or you can follow us on Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. So until next week, guys, get coding.